Welcome to Well, Why Not? Conversations about opening your mind, then your passport. My name is Deborah, and I'm a first-generation Haitian-American who decided to leave the U.S. several times during my adult life. Currently, I live in Quito, Ecuador, where I've been for the past four years. I'd like to share more about my journey with you and invite others who have taken the leap to move away from the familiar, mainly in the form of immigration or expatriation. For those of you tuning in for the first time, welcome. And for those of you who have listened to previous episodes, welcome back. On today's episode, I have a very special guest. This is a person who inspired me to start this podcast. As an expat, when you make the decision to leave all that is familiar, um, you're not just making that decision for yourself, especially when you have children. So I've always wondered throughout these years, these past uh, 11 plus years abroad, how my decision impacted my kids. And for them, it's all they've known. So it's harder, it's harder for them, I think in general, to, to find the words to explain what, what is different or what could have been different because they haven't known any different. <laughs> it's not the same situation for me who, who, who's had the opportunity to live in several different places. Um, so without further ado, I am introducing my daughter, Lyra, for today's episode. I have a list of questions that I have come up with to, um, to gauge her brain, to see if there is anything that I could have done, should have done differently, I still believe this was the best decision I made um, for, for me and for them, but um, I also am open to hearing otherwise. Hello, first of all, thank you very much for having me. I feel like it's an honor, even though um, this is my own mother's podcast. I think um, it's a special thing, the fact that you wanted me to be on it. Well, yeah, to me it's actually very normal because like I said, my decision wasn't just my decision, um, although I was the one who took it for you. But I know that this was—it was a family—it was a family transition. Everything that was learned, everything, every obstacle that was faced, it was for the family. So my first question, sort of along those lines, but on the up, opposite end of obstacle, is: What is your happiest memory? So as you grow up, um, you feel that the childhood memories you used to have kind of fade away. So. Um, my happiest memory as of now is pretty recent. Um, so my happiest memory is seeing my grandmother for the first time again in two years. Um, although we love my grandma very, very much, we only get to see her once each year. And in 2020, because of COVID-19, we weren't able to make that happen. And the relationship I have with my grandma is very special. Not everybody gets to experience that type of love attention and care from their grandmother so i am very grateful for that wow that's that's very sweet <laughs> and and i guess surprising for me because there's so many memories that i can think of but you're right i guess when you're still somewhat of an adolescent it all blends in and you're not sure what to pick um, and it's, I, I think in a few years, you'll look back and, and I don't know, maybe one of the trips that we took, and it may be with your grandma as well, um, but there were, there's just been so many events, I guess, um, in addition to the travel and 
just so many special things that we've gotten to do as a, as a family that, that I would have said. But again, this is why I'm doing this interview, to get your perspective and to hear things that I guess I didn't expect to hear. Um, so uh, now that you've lived in the U.S. for a bit, um, what are your observations about the differences and the similarities between, um, let's say, the American culture and, and then, let's say, Venezuelan and Ecuadorian culture? Well, to me, Ecuador and Florida are extremely different. Um, the only similarity I can pinpoint as of now is the currency. <laughs> and while the environment was very different from how the people treat you to infrastructures, and as I think back, the comparison I would like to make is that um, while we... So as the pandemic began, I started getting tired of being cooped up so I started taking regular walks outside around the neighborhood, as you probably remember. And one of those walks, um, I actually fell and twisted my ankle. And I remember specifically, um, these two ladies were standing beside me chatting. And as I fell, I look back at them. They look back at me, lock eyes with me, and then they just keep talking. And I will forever remember that, but I don't really want to um, correlate that with the Ecuadorian culture, but it really was something that I was like, oh, wow, I didn't think they would react like this. I thought they would, at least from afar, considering the pandemic, ask if I was okay. However, when I arrived in the U.S., I started um, roller skating as a new hobby, and when I was learning, I also fell. I was outside and this mother and her child asked me about three times, are you okay? Are you okay? Do you need help? Are you okay? They didn't come near me, of course, considering the pandemic, which I found very thoughtful. But the fact that they showed so much concern was like, oh wow. Like I was not at all expecting this because you know, in Ecuador, I got used to the fact that everyone minds their own business unless it's business related actually, like between people. Also on that walk in Quito, not only did I fall, but at the beginning I actually forgot to wear my mask out and I had to run back to get one because everyone was staring at me and thought I was like some anomaly. And it was, it was really weird to experience that. But then again, when I moved to the US, I found myself staring at people in that way because the COVID laws are not as strong over there. So I would see people in the streets without their masks on and I'm like, why is this happening here? So then in the end, I'm always the anomaly because when I moved, I became the anomaly over there. That's funny. For me, that same story, I interpret so differently. Um, I. I actually appreciate, and I think I've said this on earlier episodes, I appreciate the fact that Ecuadorians are a little bit more reserved and are not too involved in other people's um, activities or goings on and all of that. So I've actually, that's actually something I appreciate. Um, in the case of like falling or anything like that, I think Americans tend to be overtly nice and, and almost in a, like, I don't want to say superficial, but kind of, <laughs> because um, not to say that those two people weren't really concerned and wanted to know if you were okay, but 
it's just like, yeah, sometimes you go into places and they're like, hey, how are you? And, and they really don't care about the answer. Um, where I found in my experience in Latin America that when somebody does ask, although they're not wanting to hear your life story, they really do want to know. <laughs> How are you? Um, and if you answer with like, oh, I'm tired. And they're like, oh. And then it kind of starts a conversation of like, oh, is it work? And then, and you can actually, but I mean, there's so many stories of, of foreigners um, visiting the U.S. and giving an actual gen, genuine answer to how are you and being ignored. Because it's, how are you in, in the U.S. is more, it's almost like just saying hi. Um, it's not really a question. Um, and I think that also can translate into other times when people may seem like they really care, um, but they're really, it's just a pleasantry, which is nice. I'm not saying it's bad. It's just, it's different. And where you saw that as weird and, and problematic, I actually, I'm more comfortable in that <laughs> and not being asked um, than, than I am being asked. So one of the things I always struggle with is when somebody says to me, where are you from? Um, and you know, we get this all the time, um, whether we're here where we've lived for, you know, five years or, you know, whether we're in the U.S., we're in, where, where we, we're, if we're speaking English, that doesn't come up, but if they hear us switch to a different language, then it'll, then the question will come up. So I, I've still not figured out the short answer to that. How do you answer the question? Where are you from? This is a tricky question because I always find myself changing the answer. Most of the time I say from the U.S. since I've actually come from there because I lived there and moved and I actually have memories formed in the U.S. But sometimes I say I'm from Haiti in a situation where I feel like the person is saying, what type of black are you? So it's like I can't say from the U.S. because they'll be like, from the U.S.? Are your parents from somewhere else? And well, that's the only explanation I can give as to why I often say I'm American and my parents are Haitian. That's like my basic answer when introducing myself or meeting someone new. And it's because I've never actually lived in Haiti. On the other hand, um, I've lived in Venezuela and Ecuador, but I would never say I'm from there mainly because I don't have those countries' passports or the nationality or anything of the sort. That's, that's interesting that you say you, you specify Haiti to help people recognize what kind of black you are, because do you feel it's disingenuine for, for you to pass as an African-American? Um, yeah, I do consider it's disingenuine because I'm not African-American. I'm... Haitian. Usually when people say African-American, it's because their family has been in the U.S. for years and they've become American. But in, with me, it's not the case because my parents were born in Haiti. Wow, that, that is a very self-aware statement to make. I don't think I, I figured that out until I was well into adulthood. Um, again, knowing that I was different, knowing that, but I, I guess for me growing up, I wanted to fit in. I wanted to align myself or identify myself with, um, a group, a bigger group. Cause you know, the African-Americans are minorities as well, but as Haitian, you were even more of a minority. Um, huh. So I'm, I'm actually pretty impressed with, with that explanation and that level of self-awareness. 
So, um, still on the on the U.S. Um, side of things, do you see yourself living in the U.S. long term? I do, but long term for me is a little over five years. So maybe in some far future, I would want to move elsewhere and build a family and career. And since I've been raised in a traveling culture, so I can say, and I feel immensely grateful for it, I would love to provide the same experience for my children and allow them to develop a diverse cultural palette. Alrighty then, and if any of you are thinking that <laughs> this is not how she speaks, it is. Like even I'm even talking to her right now, I'm I'm a little flabbergasted <laughs> by by her level of vocabulary. But then again, she is my child, and I do tend to use off off keywords or words that are not common. Anyway, um, last question, which may be the hardest: um, What advice? would you give to your parents, AKA me and your dad? As you said, yes, this is the hardest question. Um, I thought about this question a lot. Um, I've seen videos on children replying with, oh, I would like to have given, I would like for you to have given me more freedom or more space or things, things like that, or that their parents are the reason that they have depression, anxiety, etc. However, when I look back at my childhood, all I see is that my parents tried their best to provide the best for me and my brother, and they did. I wasn't the only one going through change. My parents were as well. So we moved to a country where they spoke a different language to our own, had different culture, and was different from what we all knew. So of course, it's going to be hard on them. And the fact that they tried to make it easier for us I appreciate that so much, and I think my parents did a great job at raising me and my brother. Aw, snaps to that. I will, I will lightly pat myself on the back. I don't know if you could speak for your brother, but yes, eventually we will hear directly from him too. <laughs> and I wonder if at his rightful age of 13, he feels the same. But I do appreciate that, and I, I mean, always any parent, I think we... we we feel good knowing that we did our best and, and that our children recognize that. Sometimes we know we did our best and, and it's just it just takes a little while for them to realize that and to realize all the difficulties that come into the decisions that we make, whether it's, you know, where we choose to live or something as simple as, you know, what school they go to. Um, you know, any any decision as a parent is is daunting. And I knew that this decision was a big one, regardless um of the outcome, I, I thought that it was worth trying, worth pursuing. We were not moving, at least for the, especially the first time. Um, there was nothing that met, that decision did not mean I could never go back, that we couldn't change our minds, that we couldn't say, okay, this isn't, this wasn't the best choice. So I think that also made it easier. And then hoping that nothing, <laughs> nothing that we we decided along the way was traumatic, because um, they can be really, you know, it's life changing, um, leaving your friends, although you were small, but you still left the friends that you knew and and made new ones. And I think that that was partly because you were so little, and we made the decision while you were so little. I can't imagine making the same decision with teenagers. Not saying that it can't be done. I've seen people do that as well. But it depends on your teenagers. It depends, you know, how how deeply rooted they are in their current community, how happy they are in their current environment. Um, 
But yeah, for small children, they're pretty much happy as long as their parents are happy. So that was that was the the objective to to do something that was going to make us happy um, as adults, and then hopefully have that translate to you guys as children. So actually, now that you're mentioning the effect it would have on little children and teenagers, I'm realizing I left Venezuela as a teen, but then again, I had already moved, so it may have not had the same effect on me, but looking back, I don't remember most of my years in the U.S., so I feel like moving to Ecuador was another big change. I remember feeling very sad about it, leaving my friends, whom I was with for about five years. Well, in my mind, I don't think it was only the fact that you didn't have a lot of memories from the U.S. I think because you were in an international school, every year, um, sometimes more often, there were people leaving. So I think as, as a student body, you guys were more accustomed to saying those goodbyes and having people not just switch schools, like literally, you know, move across the world. Um, and some of you were able to stay in touch and some of you weren't, but it just was the norm. And um, I always, I, I am also thankful that I was able to put you guys in that kind of um, educational environment. So mm -hmm. us moving um, isn't that new, isn't that big of a deal because that's what people did very often at the end of the year, at the end of every school year. I'm so glad that I decided to interview you because as much as I thought that I knew you, I, I've learned so many new gems <laughs> just by having this conversation and asking you questions that I wouldn't normally ask you. Um, so I hope this won't be the last. Um, and again, of course, your brother has to get in on the action and we'll, we'll do an interview with him in the near future as well. Um, for all of you listening, um, let me know if anything that was said here was enlightening to you. Did you feel that um, it made sense, my decision? <laughs> Again, open open, and, and honest space, safe space, no judgment. But um, I don't know. I, I often go back and forth. I have those moments where, where I think, what if, you know, what if I would have chosen the other path? Um, although no regrets. Thank you again, Lyra, for being my first ever interview. Of course. Thank you for having me. And thank you all for listening. Until the next time, be well.